Welcome to the Joy Venture Podcast, a show where dreamers and doers share stories of discovering, developing, and spreading their joy with the world. I'm your host, Jeremy Slagle. In this episode, Thad and I head out to meet Chris Bishop in an airplane hangar where he roasts coffee beans for his company, Backroom Coffee Roasters. His passion for coffee and decision to start a coffee company happened while he was running another business, and it literally started in the back room of a bike shop. Chris is perhaps the poster boy of what it means to never stop discovering. His insatiable appetite to pursue the joy in his life and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit is inspiring. I hope you'll feel the same nudge after hearing this conversation. This is the Joy Venture Podcast with Chris Bishop. Well, Chris, thank you so much for inviting us up to your place. This is it's just telling Thad... Like, I would love to have a hangar in my backyard. <laughs> well, thanks for coming. It's, uh, we moved in the, the space three years ago, and the first thing when we were looking at the property is, we saw is this 5,500-square-foot this airplane hangar, and we're like, Whoa, what are we going to do with that? It was almost a deterrent. <laughs> like That's kind of intimidating. You know, I don't know if we want that, but it's obviously become you know, much more than an airplane hangar for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a, a wood shop, that's about as big as you could possibly get in Clintonville, you know, where the yards are 50 by 150. Um, and when I came up here the first time and I walked in here, I was just like, oh, what I could do with a space like this. <laughs> I love this. I love cool. that uh, you've created a work environment that you basically have surrounded yourself with all the stuff you love. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Uh, it's something that, you know, we you know, certainly didn't intend on having the coffee roaster here, uh, but... Uh, you know, certain things led to that, and then it was only supposed to be temporary, and then uh, we ended up liking it, so we made it work. Yeah, well, it seems to be working well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, as I look around, I'm seeing everything from motorcycles to bikes to all the tools you would need to fix a bike to woodworking and metalworking equipment and a flat screen TV, and then just all your workout stuff. And then we've got you know this this really cool area over here that's clearly set aside for roasting coffee um and it's just it's just neat i mean like i said I, I these are all things that speak to me you know i grew up riding motorcycles i'm i'm really into bikes and so like first time i, I came up here i was just like oh i could i could like live in this place put a <laughs> hammock up in the corner i'd be done well there so. is hot water in a bathroom so well there you go <laughs> what what would you charge me to rent this? As a, <laughs> we should build it out and do a little Airbnb, I think. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be all right. That would be great. <laughs> it's actually in the talks. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Cool. Well, that's great. So um, you and I had an opportunity to work on a project recently to rebrand your coffee company, and it was a lot of fun. I got to know you really well, and um, so we're just excited to be able to kind of tell your story and, and uh, ask you some questions and kind of figure out how you got to where you are today and um, and what's, what's ahead. But I think, you know, one of the questions I'd like to start out with is, you know, how did you, you know, after college, what, what was your career path after that? How did you end up getting to where you are today? 
Yeah, sure. So I'll try to try to give you the short version of that. But uh, I went to uh, school at Colorado State University in Fort Collins. Um, not because that was the smartest decision to do, pay out-of-state tuition, uh, when I didn't live in Colorado, but it, it was something that I just wanted to go out in the mountains, be in the mountains. And, uh, That's a good reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it ended up being a great decision. Um, but after I uh, graduated from school, I, uh, about two months later, was hired on uh, by American Honda Motor Company. Uh, and I was a district manager uh, for them, the, actually the youngest district sales manager ever hired, uh, which was kind of a tap on my shoulder or something, but it was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I then moved up to Western New York, uh, covered a territory in Western New York, Central Pennsylvania, got transferred to Boston, uh, covered uh, a territory of Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Basically, I called on dealerships that sold our products, 35 dealerships that sold Honda motorcycles, um, ATVs. From there, I uh, kind of got the, the indication that I was going to be moving out to L.A. to their corporate headquarters, which did not sound really appealing to me at the time. Um, so I left Honda, and uh, we kind of we took a little hiatus down in Austin, Texas, briefly. From there, we went to, I say we, I, I met my wife, and we got married uh, in 2000, and about the time we moved to, to Boston. So uh, the two of us moved down to Austin, Texas, uh, spent a little time down there, not doing a whole lot, just enjoying the culture, and then uh, took a job in Atlanta, where we moved uh, to Atlanta and worked for a motorcycle, motorsports, power sports um, dealer group with five locations and a central warehouse and headquarters, and I was a project manager there. Decided we were thinking about having some kids and said, uh, well, we can move back to Ohio or we can uh, move to Florida where her parents lived. And that was a pretty easy choice. We didn't want to raise kids in Florida. <laughs> no offense to anybody listening from Florida, but uh, moved back here. And then uh, we well, actually I took a job at that point with uh, Polaris. Uh, they make ATVs, snowmobiles, uh, Victory motorcycles, and now Indian motorcycles. So worked for Polaris for a while. And that would have been in 2004, I stumbled upon this opportunity uh, to start and own bicycle stores. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to uh, own my own business. I kind of knew that. Uh, about the first week I started working for Honda out of college, I said, you know, I want to own my own business and this is for me. And uh, it took a while to figure out what exactly that was going to be. A couple uh, sniffs at some motorcycle dealerships that, that didn't uh, come to fruition and uh, actually met through the motorcycle business a good friend uh, they became a good friend that owned uh, bicycle stores in Pittsburgh and uh, he said that Trek was going to uh, be doing this thing uh, called a concept store you ought to talk to him and and uh, it led to me starting the Trek bicycle stores of Columbus which I owned successfully for 12 years uh, in 2009, when we expanded uh, to Lane Avenue and to Upper Arlington, uh, the, we, we got a building that was a little bit bigger than we wanted and didn't know how to use all of it. And uh, there was about a 1,000 square feet in the back of that building uh, that I didn't know how to use. And I was scratching my head and thinking, well, you know, what could I do? I could do a spin studio. I could do like a hot yoga studio, things that are directly related to to physical fitness or health and well-being tied to bicycles and that just didn't uh didn't bode well for me i guess and then uh 
you know, I'd been home coffee roasting for three years and I thought, well, you know what, maybe I should start a wholesale coffee company, deliver beans by bike. And uh, at the time there were only a few coffee roasters in town and, and this is, uh, this is 2000, early 2010. So I went to a professional coffee roasting school, learned how to roast on the, on the bigger machines, a little bit about the business. And we started backroom coffee roasters in 2010. Fast forward seven I'll, years. Uh, let, me, let me stop. Yeah, yeah. Let me stop you right there. <clears throat> so you're out. <clears throat> excuse me. So let me stop you right there. You're you get this degree. What, what, what kind of degree did you get when you were at Colorado? So I actually State? graduated with a liberal arts degree okay. and a minor in economics. Okay. I uh, I like life. Jumped around majors too much and found myself with too few credits needed for a business degree. So I just defaulted to a liberal arts degree, but I had a lot of business classes, um, leading up to that and got a minor in economics. So did you know coming out with, you know, with that pseudo business degree <laughs> with, with the liberal arts on the paper? Yeah. Um, did you know at that, why, why motorcycles, why, yep. why motorsports? I mean, we can see the, the, the obvious evolution to, to, to bicycles, but did, did you know that that was what you were going to get into? Why did you, why did you, or was it just the opportunity that was presented to you? Talk us about how sure. you went down the path of, of motorsports and Honda that led to track that's going to lead to other things. Right, right. Well, so yeah, I guess, um, you know, I was out going to Colorado state having a lot of fun, uh, riding my bicycle to, to breweries. There were a bunch of those in the mid nineties in, in Fort Collins, uh, riding dirt bikes, you know, after class on the weekends and, and I just, you know, I was having a great time. You know, I was getting my degree and having a great time. And I didn't really know exactly what the heck I was going to do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of things in life, you know, these little, these little opportunities present themselves. And if you're keen enough to realize it was an opportunity, um, then good for you. If you miss it, hopefully there will be another one for you. My parents moved to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and directly across the street from them, their neighbor, he actually worked for Kawasaki Motor Company. And so I got to meet him because I was way into dirt bikes, race motorcycles with him. And I realized, hey, I could be a district manager for a, a motorcycle company. So that was kind of my, uh, my, I guess my little, you know, Tweety Bird saying, hey, look at this. And, uh, you know, said, that's what I want to be. You know, that's a cool job. I think I'm going to try to do that. And, uh, you know, started to... Uh, uh, looking for those jobs right out of school and, and was fortunate enough to get hired on with Honda. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's that moment, you know, you, as you said, you came, you went out of state, maybe not the, the, the best financial move. We, we feel that pressure that we got to go get that job. And, and if I'm hearing you correctly, yeah, you, of course you're going to go get a job, but you were more, I want to go do what I, what I love, mm-hmm. which was, you know, riding bikes, right. Yep. And, and doing that kind of stuff. So well, why not make a career, out of something that I love. And I think a lot of us don't think that way. We think that we got to go get a job. We got to make enough money. We start looking at the types of opportunities that are going to pay us what we want versus doing what we love. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to hear that story. Like, you know, how did you end up in, 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 you know, in motors, you know, this love of motorsports actually leads you to pursue a job in motorsports. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I just, well, yeah, I think it's just, um, I don't know what it was or when it was that I thought this is, you know, it's just kind of a, my MO, you know, I was working in motorcycle shops in uh, college, 
liked it, you know, uh, did well at it, uh, sold motorcycles and, uh, yeah, it just was like, you know, if I'm going to spend so many hours a day, you know, working, I at least want to do something that I know and love. Sure. And, uh, sure. There were, there were pressures, you know, from mom and dad back then and, yeah. and, uh, get a job and, you know, we have pressures now, you know, married kids, things like that. Mortgages, you know, you, you have those pressures to, to get out there and earn a living and, you know, contribute. But I guess I've just always had the mindset that, you know, if I'm going to spend that many hours doing something, I better enjoy it because yeah. I certainly don't want to just dread going to work every day. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you, you're, you've got this truck opportunity and, and you pursue it. Talk, talk a little bit about, you know, what, you know, how that came about and, you know, I guess why, when you took on the space that you had and you realized, did I bite off more than I can chew? And then how you went to think, how, how can I utilize that space to incorporate something else that I love? Sure. Um, I, again, I think this is that, that moment where a lot of, a lot of us, we don't give ourselves permission to believe we don't give ourselves permission to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, we think like, well, this is my job. And, and so I'm, I'm going to go do my job, sure. but you, I, I want to hear you talk a little bit about this combining job and passion simultaneously. And in your case, in the same place. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I was, I was working in the motorcycle business and, uh, throwing my bicycle in the back of my truck when I went to visit Pittsburgh, because I knew I had a buddy on Wednesday nights, we could go riding. Again, he said, uh, you know, Trek's doing this, this, uh, thing called a concept store. You ought to look into it. They actually were looking at Columbus, Ohio. You know, I've never worked in a bike shop before I owned one. So my first day on the job, I was reporting to myself. And, you know, yeah, sure, it's scary. But, you know, I think that, like you said, I mean, sometimes we, we fear, you know, what we don't know. Um, but we don't necessarily celebrate or praise what we do know um, and push ourselves. You know, there's a really awesome saying that I learned from CrossFit. It's like, you know, you don't, we fail at the margins of our experience. So until we push ourselves to that margin, that edge of the envelope, you know, we're, we don't know where it is. And it, I guess once we, once we get there and we fail, great, we grew, right? You don't grow by having a cushy, comfortable life. Um, so I guess that's, again, back to just my MO is, you know, I'm going to do it. You know, I can do it. And at the time I was young, I was 29 years old. Like I didn't, you know, I, we had one kid that was, you know, maybe, you know, two years old. And I didn't have a lot to lose, I didn't think, but I knew I wasn't going to lose. You know, I, I knew I was, we're going to make this work. And, and like I said, I'd never worked in a bike shop before I owned one, but uh, I just pretended I knew what to do. And I figured it out, and, and it worked really well. And, and so then, like I said, we, we opened up the second store uh, about a year later, a little less than a year later. We built it out from scratch, uh, opened it up, and then, yeah, just kind of went from there, opened a store in Cincinnati, uh, purchased a store in Cincinnati, um, and ran those three stores, sold that store, took a year off from growth, went back at it and opened Lane Avenue. And then again, the, the whole coffee thing came up. So that's, that's kind of was the, where coffee started. Okay. So coffee, that's kind of a, a, a left turn, if you will, from bikes and motorcycles. So <laughs> how do you get into the coffee business? Why do you get into the coffee business? Yeah, that was a left turn. Um, that didn't have a lot to do with tires and rubber and chains. And um, So coffee, yeah. I, so I'd been homebrewing beer, actually, for quite some time. Kind of got off of that for a bit. 
And uh, then I got real frustrated because I couldn't get good coffee, fresh coffee. You know, I was buying stuff at the, the grocery store. Um, when, when I was, found myself near a, a local coffee roaster that was roasting fresh coffee, I, of course, would always buy it and bring it home. And as soon as that was gone, I'd be craving more. And, but, you know, I live on the north side of town, and I don't have a local coffee roaster down the street. And um, so it really just, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start roasting my own coffee. And the first time I roasted coffee, I remember it vividly. I was uh, using one of those turkey fryer burners, and I had like this 15-inch cast iron skillet, and uh, I had ordered some, some coffee online, um, some green beans, and, uh, you know, read as much as I could about it, and, you know, had a couple beers and friends over, and we started roasting coffee. Well, that, uh, that was fun. Good experience. Didn't the, the coffee turned out horrible? I, uh, I, I, you know, I'm listening for first crack, listening for second crack, and then the next thing I know, I've got charcoal in there, and uh, I just burnt the hell out of it. Um, but it was fun. You know, it was a great experience. Something to do with some friends. I tried to drink it, but it was so bad I spit it right out. Which the next day, I think I went online and bought a $500 home roaster. I said, I'm not going to do that again, but I'm going to roast coffee. So I actually got this, uh, this nice little home roaster, which I still have today and still use today, uh, for our sample roasting and started home roasting coffee, buying it online, buying it wherever I could, whoever would sell me green coffee. So I home roasted, uh, every week, you know, we'd another batch, another batch, you know, and then it became two batches a week and started giving it to my parents and, you know, couldn't live without fresh roasted coffee. And so that's, that was kind of the background of the three years of home roasting, just for personal use. And then when we opened up the uh, Lane Avenue store uh, in Columbus, the third store, I, uh, again, looking at that space and thinking, what the heck am I going to do? Well, the, the, I guess the business mind then kicked in. It said, well, I've got this space. I, it's a little too big for the bike shop. I need some help with rent. So I need, to, I need to cover some rent, right? So if I can start a business that helps me pay for rent, that'd be a plus. If I can do a business that's not as seasonal as bicycles, well, that'd be a plus. Mm, yeah. And then, uh, you know, if I could do a business that's not retail like bicycles, that'd be a plus. So, you know, I don't know, maybe over a coffee or a beer, I don't remember which. It was like, let's do a coffee roaster. And it, and it, you know, it just made sense because cycling and coffee go hand in hand. Uh, you know, if you look at Italian uh, road cyclists and racers, they're sipping espresso before, before and after the race. Um, you know, it's, they just, they're very synonymous together and run in the same circles. And so I thought, well, we could deliver some coffee by bike. That would be fun. You know, and I wasn't looking to have this coffee company that was taking over Starbucks in three years. It was just a nice little side business, help pay for rent, fun. You know, it, it, it let me scratch that creative itch that I had uh, to, to get something else going. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it allowed, again, pay rent. It was a, whole, a B2B, so wholesale coffee roasting, and that's what we still are today. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, it kind of helped me get some additional marketing through the bike stores. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how that all came to be. I don't think I've heard, or I know anyone that's, that said, I own a business, I have extra space, I need to pay for the rent, 
So let me go start another business. <laughs> I mean, that's just not. That, yeah, usually that like you would try to find someone all, else to sublet it to. Or, yeah, it like defies yeah, all conventional yeah. wisdom. Um, sure, but but I, I, you said something earlier that I really liked this idea that you know, you know, pushing yourself to the margins and knowing where you where you fail, that's where you grow. And so the the burning your beans, you know, and, and the turkey roaster, right? <laughs> that that was your moment, and then. You know, most people would walk away at that point, but you go and you buy a roaster, right? And so we're, at least I'm starting to uh, see your adventurous spirit to say, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to fail. And uh, <laughs> so, okay, so now you've got, you've got this roaster. I've failed many times. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, for the record. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but, that, like, but like you said, I think that that's that, you've got to fail to know where to go next. Absolutely. Right? And so, so, all right, so you've got, you've got this little coffee roaster in the back of the, the bike shop, you know, and, and we're, we're not in the bike shop. We're in a, an airplane hangar now. Yeah. How, how has this continued to grow and evolve for you? Well, yeah. So a few things changed that kind of led us up to, to be where we are today. Um, the, uh, we were actually looking at relocating that bicycle store and the coffee company. Uh, we were going to merge them together. We are going to bring the, co- the backroom coffee roasters out of the back room into the front room, uh, open a cafe, uh, and we were in the process of doing that. Um, so we thought, well, we need to relocate the coffee company temporarily as we relocate the bike store, build it out. So we did. thought, where are we going to do it? Well, I'm like, I have this huge airplane hangar. It should, we can put it up there temporarily, and that'd be easy. Um, so we brought it up here, got it set up, got running, uh, so we didn't miss any production dates, and then uh, moved out of the bicycle store. Well, the lease fell through on the relocation spot. So we're like, oh no, now what? Well, continue to look around. Meanwhile, we're still operating the coffee company and the airplane hangar. And that's when the other side of my business world kind of started getting a little turbulent uh, in a good way. I had uh, some two different folks actually approach me about buying the bike stores. And again, we had three of them here in Columbus. And uh, you know, obviously I wasn't necessarily looking to sell, but you know, you, you kind of have to keep that opportunity open. And, uh, one of them in particular got very interested. Uh, he approached, uh, Trek about wanting to buy it, uh, to get approval. And then I get this call from Trek out of the blue on a 6 PM on a Friday night. And they basically said, you know, we don't want you to sell it to them. We want to buy it. My jaw hit the floor. I'm like, what? You know I mean? So Sure, let's, uh, yeah, we'll talk. And, and uh, they said, well, we, we really want to buy it. Um, we want to buy it in less than 30 days. We're going to make it quick and easy. I said, yeah, sounds like a plan, right? So that happened very quickly, less than a year ago, back in October of 16. And, uh, you know, I, I, I sold the whole company. Um, the coffee company was in a, in a good place because it had a home. But, uh, you know, things certainly changed a lot for me uh, less than a year ago. So we, we, we still continue to look for a new home for the coffee company um, for, for quite a few months. Uh, but then just kind of realize, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad thing where we are. You know, the commute's really nice. It's about 25 steps from my house, so that's really nice. But uh, you just kind of worked up here. You know, this, this space kind of felt like home. Not because it is home, because like, like Jeremy said in the beginning, you know, we're surrounded by bikes, tools, motorcycles. You know, it is a former airplane hangar. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just kind of 
felt like a place that the company evolved to. Yeah. And, and so we said, you know what? We don't need to move this. We're, we're wholesale. We don't have a retail-facing facility. And um, the rent was certainly right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it just kind of worked. And, uh, you know, so here we are in a new home. And, and, again, working with Jeremy to rebrand the company. You know, he brought in some, uh, some great ideas on how we can keep our, you know, our, our history and our brand still alive but let it evolve and tell its new story and kudos to you, Jeremy. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's where we are today in the airplane hangar. <laughs> so I, just as a side, I think it's really interesting that you sold the Trek store back to the Trek company. It's kind of like, it sounds to me like selling the Apple store back to the app. Back that's to exactly Apple. what happened. Yeah. yeah. So, so really you were in some ways kind of a guinea pig for Trek to see if, a retail space would work without them having to take on the risk of doing it in the first place. So they got to see it work and you built a, a business that was a, a good model for it. And then they were like, okay, yeah, well maybe we should be doing this. So they bought it back from you. I mean, yeah. is that how it worked? Well, sort of. They, uh, I think Trek, uh, as they told me, I mean, they, they kind of hit their head in terms of growth. Uh, they, they just decided, you know, we, we can only make so many more bikes in the world. And, uh, and they, they said, well, how are we going to grow? And they decided, you know, one way to do that is to grow through retail. Yeah. So they, um, you know, like Apple, like you mentioned, got uh, had decided they were going to do a little more vertical integration and uh, take over that. You know, obviously retail, the retail world is interesting times right now, yeah. uh, no matter what, you know, what the uh, area of retail. But uh, I think they wanted a little more control. They wanted to grow their business and thought vertical integration was a way to do it. We were running a, you know, a great, profitable company, and it was an easy, easy buy for them. So they started off with us, and I've heard they're continuing to go around and buy up some stores. Yeah, well, I mean, and now they can sell direct. They don't have a middleman. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. So you, you said that you always wanted to own your own business, and you did, and then you sold it. And, and you had this little side thing going on with the coffee roasters, but I think for a, a lot of us, we think like, this is my business. I, I, I built this, you know, I had the opportunity. I'm, I, I've grown two, three stores, opened one in Cincinnati, whatever. What, talk about, you know, your mindset the process of like, man, I, I built this kind of from nothing. Granted, I, you know, had the opportunity, but it's mine. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us don't, want apart from something and we feel like if I'm going to do this, this is what defines me. Mm-hmm. And even if we get that offer, we're humbled by it. and like, ah, no, this is mine. You know, and I, my sweat and tears sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of problems saying, well, okay. Yeah. And so talk about just your thought process, you know, giving yourself permission not to be too attached to it, to let it go. Right. Right. Well, you know, immediately the first thing that came to my mind is, you know, kids grow up and leave the house someday. Right. So I, you know, I guess I've always been in the mindset that when I'm building a business, growing a business, the business is the entity. The business isn't me. Um, I've had many, many people, some former graphic designers, try to suggest that I should be the face of the business, right? And have that little face, big head on a little body face. In the, yeah, I said, no, it's not about Bobblehead me. Bobblehead Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't about me. So I, you know, I guess it's certainly was my work, but it, it certainly, it doesn't define me. It, 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 I knew someday that I would do something new. You know, I've always had itches, right? That's how the coffee company got started. Um, 
And, and so I guess I, again, like I wasn't looking to sell the business, but if it ever came along, you know, and the time was right and all the planets aligned, you know, I would sell it. So it just, you know, I just knew it was an evolution and I, you know, I, I felt like I had so much more to do in my life still, uh, that I didn't want to die old in the bike shop. Yeah. Yeah. So hypothetically, you know, people hear this podcast, I know some other coffee roasters like, you know what? Guy's got a wholesale business of coffee going here. Maybe we should buy that. What, what does Chris, Chris Bishop say about that? Everything's for sale for the right of dollar. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's something that uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not looking to sell it. Sure. You know, not at all. Um, but again, I think I've always just been in the mindset that you, you should always run a business like you plan to sell it. Because then you make the best decisions for the business, not for you. Mm. You know, it's, I'm going to choose to invest, a, you know, X amount of dollars into a rebrand. Well, that's the right thing for the business. And uh, if, I think if you, you think about things like that, typically, more times often than not, you will make a decision for the business that is best for that entity. So if someone comes along and wants to buy it, it should always be running like a top. Yeah. I've seen way too many times um, people that own small businesses, uh, dealerships in my motorsports business, that get to the point where they're so burnt out, so drug out, the business is not running good, it's bleeding cash, they, they want to, they just, they, they hate their life, right? It mm-hmm. pours over into their personal life, they're miserable, and they want to sell the business. Well, nobody wants to buy that business, yeah. right? Because they've run it into the ground. They're tired. It's worth nothing. So, I mean, they kind of go together, you know? I mean, if, if you're going to be, if you're going to run, you know, a company, make it be the best. So if you ever decide you want to sell it, it's ready to go. It's not like you're trying to, you know, scrape, scrape up the junk off the floor to make a play. Yeah. So. What's been the hardest part about letting go? I mean, because what I'm hearing from you is this adventurous spirit, this creative itch. You've got this sort of positive, infectious attitude. Um, where, where's where's the hard part of your story? You know, of like, oh, you know, it's like, like you said, when, when you put everything into it, where it's not about you and you're doing the best work that you possibly can, and then you let it go. Mm-hmm. How hard? How hard is that? Well, in this case, it wasn't hard. Sorry to <laughs> crash down on there your you lead go. in there. This podcast is <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Optimist. No, it's, no, it's no I mean, it, and it's it's good question. Yeah. Uh, it just, I haven't one day, one minute thought back, I regret selling the, the stores. Yeah. I think it's just, if you, you get to the point where you just, you know it's the right thing to do, the planets align, the deal's right. Uh, and then, you know, part of the decision actually... The, that led to me saying, yeah, I'll sell it is I got to a point with that business. Like I'm going to go into a lot more debt to grow that business. Yeah, sure. I can go open stores across Ohio and the Midwest, take on more debt, kill myself in hours and hours and hours of work right. with not that much more return. Hmm. So I kind of felt like I hit that my head on that glass ceiling to say, you know, my return on investment, right? Return on time for expanding this business just isn't there. And, and so that, that, you know, the, it's the, the left and the right brain, you know, kind of having that discussion with each other. And it just financially was time. And, and then it's also for me personally, it was just, this is time. And yeah. so it really, and I'm glad because I haven't looked back and regretted it. Not at all. And, and I guess if I, if I did, then 
that wouldn't be good. So, well, I, I get that question a lot from people. Um, Thad and I work with a lot of people that have started their own business, started their own joy venture, uh, jobs and, and, uh, started their own businesses. And one of the things that I hear it, that people ask me a lot is how do I know when it's time to, to leave my job and go do this? Like, how do I know? And my, usually my response is you'll know, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, sometimes, sometimes getting fired is the best thing that could possibly happen to you. Yeah. It's having a conversation with, uh, another designer friend last night. And he said, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me was, was getting laid off because yeah. it forced me. It's kind of like a baby bird getting kicked out of the nest. Yeah. You know, you find out whether or not you can fly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if, if you get comfortable and you just sit in that nest, you never find out whether or not you can fly. Comfort's not a good place to be. Mm-mm. I don't think <laughs> it can, you know, if you get comfortable and I've had those moments, you know, in, in, in former places where I've, I've been comfortable and it scares me. You know, I'm not doing my best work when I'm comfortable and I'm not growing as a person when I'm comfortable. And yeah, I think uh, that's a, it's a, it's a delicate place to, to live. Yeah. I think that that's such a counterintuitive mindset because we, the sort of, you know, everything that we're advertised to on television, right, is all about our comfort at the end of the day. Ease. But to your point, <laughs> yeah. but to your point, this, you know, it's not to say that we, we desire to be uncomfortable, but that's where you become a problem solver, right? It, when, you're, when, when things aren't just easy, you're actually forced to think and engage differently and solve the problem or whatever it is in front of you. Um, so yeah. I, uh, so not to get off track too much, but last night my wife and I were having this discussion about our kids and we kind of feel like a lot of people these days are making things super easy on their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the, what's that term? Like hovercraft parent or yeah. helicopter, helicopter parent. parent. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you did, we we're making it really easy on them and they're not growing, you know, they're, they're not seeing how to solve problems. And, you know, you know, I think there's a whole thread of that going on right now. Just, yeah. you know, in the future, our future leaders, you know, we need problem solvers. You know, we don't need, people that, you know, can punch a clock and, you know, we need people that can like critically solve problems and because the future's pretty muddy and, you know, there's not going to be a black and white. I don't think in the future, I don't think there's a black and white today. I think that we've got to just be creative and solve problems in in new ways. Yeah. But so the problem that you're about to solve now is what, what do I do with the rest? This was my side job. You actually have some margin now to fill your time with something else or pour yourself into, that sounds like a really bad analogy with coffee, um, <laughs> either, you know, grow, grow the coffee business or, you know, go full bore into that or something else. Is there something else? So, yeah, there is. Um, so we sold the, the bike stores uh, what, about 10 months ago. And first order of business was to do some rebranding, kind of freshen up the company, things I'd wanted to do but never had the time to do with the coffee company. Uh, start working on some internal systems, uh, just, just kind of, you know, little health healthcare checkup with the company. And, but one of the other things, and this might lead into to, to my next chapter, I guess, of, of my time, is, uh, is the beer world, the, the brewing industry. 
you know, that's something that has been uh, kind of on my sidelines for a while and in, in, my, in my heart and in my head, but uh, time never allowed it. Uh, so I figured, you know, it might be time to investigate that world a little bit. And uh, back in 2008, before we actually opened our third store, uh, I was actually looking pretty seriously at uh, starting a brewery. This is before the coffee company and uh, really, really close to doing that, but kind of came down to that 11th hour and said, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to run the, the bike stores and do this. That'll be all in at that point. And the bike stores were do- doing great. We were expanding and it just didn't seem right. I'm like, I'm going to ride this out and things are good right now. So that kind of got scrapped. Uh, fast forward a little bit more to when we did open the coffee company, I, uh, I hired somebody to come in and, and be uh, my production roaster. And he actually owned a brewery, a very small brewery, upstart brewery, uh, still working obviously on the side to get this thing going. And, uh, of course he and I talked a lot about beer at that point and coffee and, and, uh, he, he was kind of saying, you know, maybe you should, maybe we can work something out. You can come join me and we can do this. And, and that sounded great. But at the, at the end of the day, I, you know, three bike stores, coffee company now, three young kids, I, I don't have the time. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of extra capital either, uh, that I could throw at it. So it just didn't work out, but you know, he still worked there and we had a great relationship and, and, uh, they eventually did expand a little bit. Um, after that, we still had the conversation going said, I'd love to join you, love to help on the business side and help grow the company, but I just, I'm too busy. And, uh, so, you know, his, his brewery has since, uh, expanded quite a bit. He left the coffee company because he, he didn't have the time anymore. Good for him. Real happy for him. Uh, and I thought, well, if I ever do get this chance where I have time or money that I can get into the, the beer world, uh, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of that because it's something I've always wanted to do another itch to scratch and, uh, another part of my life that I feel like I want to live. And so guess what? I sold the bike stores and, you know, I immediately said, you know, this might be my opportunity. Now might be the time to, to get into the beer world. So that, when I first started really looking into that, that was in like 2007, 2008. And here we are in, in 2017, a lot's changed in the beer world. A lot more breweries. We're about 5,500 breweries nationwide right now. Uh, for the first time in a decade, uh, craft beer uh, industry growth has, has not been double digit. I mean, it's still 6.5%, but it's not what it was over the last 10 years. It's a pretty crowded market which is good for beer drinkers. Um, but I, I was looking at different angles to get into that. And, and the, the, the thing that didn't appeal to me anymore was starting a brewery. I think that, uh, you know, it was just a little too crowded. I still love the brewing industry. It's a very laid back, independent spirit, uh, creative industry. Um, but uh, it was a little crowded and, and I wasn't anxious to, to jump in, you know, with both feet. One thing that kind of started you know, entering, I guess, into my, into my brainwaves, um, was the supply side of brew, you know, over a beer, of course, uh, a good buddy of mine that lives up in Yakima, Washington, where about 70% of the hops are grown in the U S he said, you know, Chris, you ought to get into the, the supply side of beer, the hop side, you know, hops are the sexiest component of beer. And, and, you know, it's just these, there's a lot of breweries, they're growing, maybe there's a lot of money to be made here too. I mean, and it's, it's fun and you wouldn't necessarily be strapped down to one brewery fighting against all these other breweries. You work with them. 
you know, light bulb went off in my head. Here I am on the coffee side, you know, working with growers, working with importers, working on that agricultural supply chain, and really enjoying it, sourcing different beans from, you know, Colombia, Costa Rica, you know, Ethiopia, the nuances in those. And hops are very, very similar. You know, it's, uh, we're looking at alpha acids, beta acids, oil content, aromas, just very similar to coffee. And that's kind of that light bulb went off. I'm like, that's what I want to do. That was it. And it was like, since then, it was, it was a full-on uh, assault on the beer world, meeting people, talking to people. I was fortunate to meet some people through him. Um, talked to about four different, five different uh, hop producers, growers, uh, merchants, and uh, ended up actually, big news, uh, publicly right now, <laughs> um, in, you know, start, struck a deal with uh, Crosby Hop Farm uh, in uh, Portland, Oregon, Woodburn, Oregon, just south of Portland. Uh, and I'm going to start working with them. I actually did start working uh, about a week and a half ago. So wow. now I'm in the uh, hop business. Yeah. Good thing is I get to keep the coffee company. And, you know, we're going to continue to run that and grow that. Uh, but we're also uh, going to be, we're going to be hop, selling hops so, to craft brewers, which is, you know, coffee and beer. About my two favorite things. <laughs> Both coffee, beer, and bicycles. I mean, you've, you, it's, you've made a career out of the stuff you really love. And that's, that's just, I think, one of the biggest takeaways from this is, you know, people think that they, they get a degree in something and then they go do it. And then they realize, I know I went to college for this, but I really don't care for it that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's kind of been my ethos. And I used to even say this when I was doing training for the bike stores. It's like, you know, I've just really, I'm just, I've chosen in my life to just do the things I want to do. And, you know, you can make money and get by in this world so many ways. I mean, I hear something new every day. I'm like, really? You're making money doing that? I mean, you can be creative and make money so many different ways. And it's just like, I'm going to do what I like. And, you know, bikes, motorcycles, like you said, coffee. I love good coffee. I love good beer. You know, I've never had an interest in opening a restaurant, although I love to eat. But uh, I won't probably do that. But, uh, yeah, it's just something that, you know, it's do what you love. Yeah. You know, love what you do, and, and, and you'll be successful at it. You know, the other thing I like about what you're saying is, is that you didn't, you didn't just decide I'm going to close a bike shop and open a coffee roaster. You had a bike shop and you started a coffee roaster at the same time. You're, you're going into a new field with hops, but you're not taking a leap from the coffee roaster and jumping in immediately. Like you, you're smart in that you recognize I can do two things at the same time. Like I don't have to quit my current job and go full time with something else and hope that it works. So, you know, that opportunity for you to kind of discover that thing that you love, that coffee roaster, and then kind of develop that on the side to recognize, wow, I've got a space to do it and, and run it out of, you know, my other, my other current business to help support that business. And then to find out, you know, actually this is what I like doing the best anyways. And, and so you're doing it again, like you're taking something else while you're running your current business and you're, you're kind of integrating it in with, with your life and how you do stuff rather than feeling this urgency to go, to go full, you know, full bore into anything else. I think that's, that's, I think a lot of people think from a business standpoint, that's not how you're supposed to do stuff, but. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what 
normal people think. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, sure. It's, but that's I mean, the story we hear over and over yeah, again. Yeah. You know, we, we hear over and over again um, all these, especially a lot of my clients, yep. they, they were working in for the state, but they were making pretzels on the side. And, yeah. you know, and, and then all of a sudden that side hustle, the, the fact they were selling out every weekend at the farmer's market, they realized, wow, I can do this. But it wasn't, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go straight into making pretzels. It, it's always something that you, and, and part of that is, is, you know, you talked about supply side. You talk about a lot of that stuff. What a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot of effort that goes into that first part. It's where do I get my beans from? Right. How do I educate myself on this? Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people, a lot of people that call me to, that they're starting a business and they've never owned whatever they're going to do, whether it's a restaurant or a, a, a food company and they don't understand that you have to find suppliers for these things and Mm. sometimes a supplier will run out of something and then what do you do right right. uh and so by doing it on the side and and learning while you're bringing in a paycheck it gives you the flexibility to fail sometimes and learn some things the hard way without having to go bankrupt well yeah and that's certainly you know i guess maybe wasn't in the forefront of my mind when i was doing it but it certainly is there's a safety net. Yeah. And I think that it's smart, yeah, to, smart. Uh, to be able to kind of protect yourself from the downside. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess I was able to do that. And so a lot of people ask me, you know, what are you going to do when you sold the bike stores? You know, that's all we knew you as. And, and I said, well, I got the coffee company. You know, it wasn't, I knew what I was going to do. Um, but I also was going to research the beer world. And, you know, I guess, I guess if you have a couple plates, you know, always in the air, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're going to drop a few, but you're going to, you'll come out with a plate or two in your hand. So it's, um, I think it's a good way to, you know, for someone looking to, to do something else is to, you know, you know, pad the downside and, uh, you know, when, but on the flip side too, like the business, no matter what business you're in, for the most part is very business. The mechanics of business are the same. Uh, you know, you have to buy low and sell high. Um, so I think, if you're savvy enough and understand the basics of business, you can apply it to different things. Yeah. You know, I've applied it to things I've loved, um, but uh, and I, I hope other people do, and uh, you know, find what their calling is, and and uh, you know, make everything better in the process for everybody else that they're working with. Yeah. So, great. Awesome. Well, the next time we're back here, I'm. We've got coffee. Hopefully there'll be a few taps back here. Of, <laughs> There's uh, one tap already. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, even more of a reason to come back. Yeah, um, yeah. Chris, this has been great. Thank you for sharing your story and um, allowing us to sort of, um, you know, scratch that itch of figuring out what makes you tick. Um, because I, we know that there are other people that have these same types of passions, but don't know how to get there. Absolutely. And, um, you've gone from profession to passion, that passion that turns into a profession, which is really cool. So, um, again, thank you for sharing your story and best of luck with coffee and beer. Yeah. Well, thanks for spending the time, taking the time and cheers. Awesome. Thanks to Chris for the coffee and conversation. We wish him nothing but the best as he continues to find his joy in both coffee and beer. To hear more podcasts or read the posts that are meant to nudge the dreamer in all of us to become the doer we were meant to be, visit us at joyventure.net. If you're discovering or developing your joy and need some help creating your brand through design and story, we'd love to partner with you. Until next time, remember, 
never stop discovering. Thanks for listening. <laughs>